All right, first question is um, perhaps a silly one, but is a um, good place to start as any. Uh, why, why is faith so important, right? Uh, because I actually think it's perhaps one of the most important things that we can do and, and think about is faith. Um, it's one of these things that we probably even take for granted. It just like rolls off the tongue. Uh, that it, it's just such a common word. But, but I, I want to just back up for a second and, and say a few things about it. The first is that your scripture is, is filled with it. 282 times in the New Testament alone, the word faith comes up. 282 times. It's kind of a big deal. When we think about um, what the tradition gives us, the, the Christian tradition gives us these three theological virtues that come from 1 Corinthians uh, 13, faith and hope and love, right? Faith and hope and love. And faith is one of the three greatest things that you can cultivate. And so last year we talked a lot about hope. I talk about love a lot, and, and it's probably, it's not probably, it is worthy of its own series here. Uh, but faith, like what does it mean to, to have faith, to be a person of faith? Jesus <clears throat> praises and chastises people for uh, having uh, much or, or little faith and so last year with the children, or last week we, with the children's sermon, we saw that like the faith of a mustard seed, uh, he says, you can do a lot with it. You can move mountains with, with faith that is, it just starts at that mustard seed and, and then it, it grows over time, right? Um, in two parables at the end of, of Matthew, a servant is praised for his faithfulness, which of course shares the same idea with the word faith, faith and, and faithfulness. I, I think they're two parts of, of the same coin. Uh, Jesus mentions in a number of places that if we are faithful in, in the little things that God has given us, we will be granted even, even bigger things, which is another reason to grow our faith, right? So if we can become increasingly faithful, we should expect God to meet us with greater and greater challenges, yes, but also opportunity and even more growth and influence in a world that needs us to show up in some pretty big ways. Paul has plenty to say about faith as well, maybe as much or more than Jesus sometimes, and he clearly is connecting action to faith. He talks about the obedience of faith in Romans 1, for example, where he talks about living by faith. But to really answer the question, uh, let's open up to Genesis chapter 15, uh, which is the passage that we read for this morning. Genesis chapter 15 gets us at one of the very first uh, uses of the word belief or faith. The two words, uh, in case you don't know, are the same word, belief and faith. They just get translated differently. Um, it's actually an unfortunate piece of, of the English language because they mean slightly different things. And I kind of want to use faith as, as the bigger term. And belief sometimes narrows us down into like right thinking or something. But faith, faith is pretty big, and let's keep it big. So starting in verse 1, Genesis chapter 15, we read that after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, 
And here's God speaking to Abraham, and the first thing he says is, fear not, right? Fear not. I'll say this, we talked about it this morning, Jennifer made this really great point in our Sunday school about how fear becomes this block. Uh, and, and I'd say, here we see it. We, we see God saying, like, Abraham, step back from that fear. Like, I need you to lean into the faith side of things and to step back from the fear side of things. And he says, I am your shield, right? I will protect you. I've got your back and your front and all the sides, right? I've got you. Fear not. I am your shield and I am your reward. Your reward shall be very great. And then Abraham says, oh Lord God, what will you give me? I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And here, this harkens back to a promise that, that God had shown him and given him that um, he's supposed to like, look into the, the, the stars in the sky and the, the sand on the seashore, and, and his, his progeny, his, his future will, will be just enormous, right? And, and here Abram's like nearing the end of his life. He's a very old man at this point. He says, God, I, I've followed you a long way. At this point, he's, he's followed him across the globe. He's taken this massive journey and upended his entire life following God's call on his life. And he's like, I still, I still have nothing. Like I'm about to die here and I've got no one who's going to to, to live on, and this promise that you've given me, it seems like it's withering up, right? And then, <clears throat> behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man, Eliezer of Damascus, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside, and he said, look to the heavens, number the stars, if you're able to number them, so shall your offspring be. And then here's the key phrase. Abraham believed the Lord. He had faith in the Lord. And God counted this as righteousness, right? He counted it as righteousness. Righteousness, in some ways, is, uh, is the whole ball of wax here, <laughs> This, this is what we're all aiming at. And righteousness could be understood as like perfection or moral exactitude or I'm a righteous being. But in this sense and, and in the sense that it actually gets used mostly throughout scripture is a right relatedness to the God of the universe. It's a belief or it's a, a state of being rather where I am in communion with God, where things between me and God are good. The copacetic, God loves me and I love God. And how does this happen here? It's very clear. Abraham had faith and it was credited to him as righteousness. His faith, his belief, his 
trust, his, all of this is credited to him as right relatedness to God. So if, if last year we talked about hope uh, and, and this year we're talking about faith, the same kind of thing applies. And, and so uh, an analogy I think I used last year is you could think of, of hope and now faith as almost like a gem or a diamond, which has like lots of different facets to it, right? And if you turn it, you see that there's different sides to what faith is. And it's all the same gem. It's all the same diamond. Uh, but there's just like different angles to it. And they shine just a little bit differently. And so if we were to go through like what is faith, I, I'd offer just like a slew of different words, and the word faith kind of encompasses all of these words, things like trust. Actually, trust for me is, is kind of like the bottom line. This is, this is the container that's, that's holding it all. And so when uh, Abraham's faith is counted to him as righteousness, what I think is being said, at least one thing that's being said, is that Abraham trusted God in that moment. And that God could see straight to the heart of Abraham and say, this man trusts me. And I know that he trusts me. And because of that, I can use that, right? And a question worth asking this morning is, do you trust God, right? Do you have that kind of faith? But it's not just trust. <clears throat> faith, the big diamond that we're trying to hold together, it has the facets also does mean belief, and it can have some sort of like uh, mental assent or some sort of doctrine or, or a sense of like, here are the things to believe. I think that side of the ledger has been weighed way too much, however. And so we might think, well, what do you believe? And then you launch into like a list of, of doctrines or something. I actually don't think that's very popular throughout Scripture, like a, a way of thinking about faith. It shows up, don't get me wrong, but it's not the most prevalent way of talking about what faith is. I think trust is far more uh, prevalent as we think about the facets of the diamond. Confidence, conviction, assurance. So our, our passage this morning from Hebrews 11 uh, says that faith is the assurance, right? of things hoped for. It's, it's a confidence. It's a, it's a conviction of things not seen. That's at least the way the ESV translates it, and a couple other translations do too. Um, I might suggest to you there's, there's other ways to think about that, those, those terms, but uh, for the sake of, of what faith is, I think there is some truth here that as we have faith, just like we talked about hope, Hope is, is a certain amount of confidence in what we don't see. What it, uh, I saw Greg Young sends out these, uh, uh, I, I'm on his emailer where he teaches Sunday school, but online, and so I get all of his notes, and I noticed he said uh, that um, hope is faith in the future tense, which I liked. I, hope is faith, but in the future tense. And, and the faith that we need is perhaps in the present tense, but hope, too, requires faith. These two things are, are intricately bound. In fact, what I said last year was, as you buoy your faith, your hope actually should rise, too. Or if you buoy your hope, your, your faith starts to rise as well. And then there's also another facet, which is like dependence. Your dependence. This one shows up a ton in Scripture. God desires us 
to be dependent upon him. This is not one we're comfortable with, to be honest, right? I like to, I mean, the American culture at, at large says, oh, no, I need to be self-dependent. I, I, I need to be able to, like, handle my own stuff. And, and actually, I want to say yes to that, too. I want to say, like, a yes and here. That it is important that we are self-sufficient uh, and, and sustainable, but, but we're also, we recognize that at an ultimate sense, it can all be gone in an instant. And we can find ourselves in a place where we are obviously dependent upon a creator who is bigger than us. And sometimes, in fact, we, we need that moment. We need that moment to, to have our legs kicked out from under us and we realize just how dependent we are on God, frankly, the people around us, and then there's um, <clears throat> another facet to faith, which is, uh, as I've said, hope. I do think hope is a facet uh, of what it means to be a faithful person, to be able to look into the future with the faith that we have, and to know that what I believe here and now doesn't say just, uh, it doesn't stay here. It, in some ways, it, it actually helps create your own future. People of great faith often do great things because they believe that God is enough and that God in them is enough to do the great things. So they have visions like uh, Abraham, it says, had a vision and God shows up and he shows him this great thing and he believes and then sure enough, through God's effort and, and help, like this comes to pass. Uh, commitment would be another facet I would point you to. Commitment as a uh, piece of your faith. It's, this too it demonstrates just how active your faith should be and is, right? Another uh, side to all this is allegiance, a term that suggests like loyalty or commitment whether to a belief system, to a cause, to an authority figure, or for our case here, Christ. A commitment to Christ. Above all else, Christ, right? And, um, and it is worth asking, if we are people of faith, to what do we offer our allegiance? You can have... Multiple allegiances, don't get me wrong. But as Jesus says, you can really only have one master because you will serve one master over the other. And when push comes to shove, you've got to ask yourself, to whom am I most allegiant? Lastly, um, I'd add in here that faith uh, is often understood as, as faithfulness, as fidelity, as loyalty, it's a, it's a working out of that faith. Like a faith, as James says, that is just like some sort of belief, but is not action, well, that means nothing. James goes on to say, like the devils, they, uh, the demons, they know that God exists, right? But that doesn't mean they have faith, right? That doesn't mean they trust this God. They don't follow this God. They aren't allegiant to this God. They aren't committed. They aren't dependent upon that God. They know. They might even have great doctrine. 
But they are none of these things that define faith. I came across a story this week. We're going to come back to Hebrews 11 in the coming weeks. This is, for me, kind of a, Hebrews 11 is a, it just, it's going to need some, some pulling apart. I want to allot enough time to that. And so instead, I'm, I'm going to, to tell you a story about a guy named uh, Ernest Shackleton. Do you know this guy? I just found him. You do? Ezra? Oh. <laughs> I was like all excited. Has anyone heard of this man? 19. Oh, see? Yeah, see? How do you all know this guy? A book. Keep reading books. That's awesome. I, uh, wonderful. So for all those of you who don't know, uh, this man uh, is a, an Arctic explorer from the early, early 1900s. And um, he, he set out with a vision. He had a belief. He had this, these, these big ideas. And he desired and believed that a study of Antarctica would lead to scientific breakthrough. And he was going to be the first ever to accomplish a transcontinental crossing of Antarctica, which is to say, walking from one side of the continent to the other. And at that time in history, just that had been never done before. And so in 1914, he gathers together a ship and a crew. And he had some unique and unconventional ways about him uh, for like weeding out the crew uh, that he would eventually gather together uh, it reminded me a little bit of like Gideon, uh, who starts to weed out, you know, some of the people, and he just needs that 300. Well, um, Sir Ernest Shackleton, uh, he knew it was going to take quite a lot, actually, to, to make this happen. And so he needs people who are in it to win it, who will remain loyal to him, who will be faithful, who will be all of these things that I just described to you about the nature of faith. They will trust him, right? They will be confident in him. They, they will have some measure of hope when all hope seems lost. And so he gathers together this crew and this ship, and the ship is called the Endurance. <clears throat> uh, by the way, this is a real story. Uh, where's Danny? She's not here today. Uh, she doubted me on my other real story. This one, too, is, is true. So Shackleton's journey began with a vision with belief, uh, and with what we could even call faith. Um, this faith was in something not seen. This was the faith and the belief that like, what he was about to adventure on was indeed possible, even though no one had yet accomplished it. And his act of doing it was going to actually embody the truth of what he knew to be true in his head. It wasn't just Shackleton, however, who had faith. It was his crew, right? The crew had to have faith in him and had to trust him immensely. And in the midst of peril, they depended upon him for his decisions for survival. As some of you know, they didn't make it, at least to Antarctica. They, that is to say, they got stuck. And... They got stuck in the ice for over 400 days. And eventually, the ship itself 
was clearly going to be lost, and so they had to abandon ship. And for 497 days, they were out on the ice together, trying to just stay alive. And they had three rowboats or three ships that, or three boats. Um, <laughs> you Navy folks are gonna just pick me apart on this one. Uh, <laughs> uh, they had these three boats, these lifeboats that they, they stayed alive with. And after the 497 days, they finally made their way to uh, Elef Elephant Island, I think is the name of it, only to realize um, this was in uninhabitable uh, and there were no people there and it was inhospitable as well. And so then they had to make the hard decision, well, we can't stop here. We, ha we have to keep going. And so they rode for another 800 miles and made it all the way to a South Georgian island where uh, they finally arrived and, uh, and were safe. And it turns out through the heroics and the leadership of, of Shackleton, uh, they made it there. And no one, turns out, was lost. They all survived. And what is remarkable about the story is, is both the faith and the, the hope and the, the belief and the commitment and the dependence and, and the allegiance and the fidelity and the faithfulness uh, of, of Shackleton himself, but, but then also of his crew. And for him to be able to round all this up and to realize that though they didn't make it in that trip all the way across the Antarctic, they stayed alive because of his ability to lead them there. And the faith that they demonstrated was actually a strong faith in this human being. I'm a pastor, however, and my encouragement is to you to find this kind of faith in our God. And so I want to get practical as your exercise coach, uh, what are the habits of faith that we should all be participating in over this coming year in order to grow those, those faith muscles? I'm going to suggest a few things here. And if there's one that really kind of like resonates with you, my, my suggestion and my ask is that you just write that down and you take that with you and you find really practical ways to get this into your life somehow. Because the truth is this, like we all need to be exercising our faith muscles on a daily basis. This isn't just like, oh, this is my goal for this year, and then next year I'm going to do something different. This is, <laughs> this is a lifetime pursuit, right? This is something we should be doing the rest of our lives. Number one, <clears throat> it would help to clarify what you want to grow precisely. So, so maybe it's not the belief side of things, it's the trust side. Maybe you've got some trust issues and it's time for you to somehow deal with those and, and set that aside. Or to at least learn to trust God more. Or maybe it's the hope side or the dependence side, or, or the commitment side? What if you were more committed? Or maybe it's, it's finally dealing with the allegiance 
Who am I pledging all of my allegiance to? And coming back to that every day. The second thing would be the ones that I tell you all the time, which is to, to read your Bible as regularly as possible and, and to pray regularly. Like this is something that we've been uh, talking about for a while, to always start with prayer, right? And, and to really get that into your life on a daily basis, to, to commit to that and to, and to watch that help you grow that faith muscle. Added to this, I, I would tell you to keep your eyes out in your own experiences for where God actually shows up in your life. In the past, we've, um, what do we call it? Uh, We've done a a series or a a spot that we call, Can I Get a Witness? That's what we called it. Can I Get a Witness, right? And the idea there is like, when God does show up in your life, Tell someone about it. Tell us about it. Like, we need to know the places. Because if I hear about the ways in which God has moved in your life, that buoys my faith, right? And we need to be sharing these things. And so keep an eye out for where God is moving in your, in your life. And, and more than that, like, record it. And then keep it in front of you. As this one guy I listened to says, incorporate your wins. <laughs> when you find success in, an er- this could be any area of life, don't just let it be a success and then it goes away. Like somehow like pull it into your story. Pull it into who you are as deep as possible, right? And so for me, here's, here's one of the things that I've done. If you walk in my office right now, it's kind of hidden because, you know, uh, there's a, but there's a little board, uh, bulletin board thing that um, at the top was printed out, uh, great is thy faithfulness. Uh, And then at the bottom it says, this is the year of the Lord's favor. And then as the year goes on, I just pull it off the wall and I, I write the ways in which God has shown up in my life, the ways in which God has been faithful in the small things and in the big things. Incorporate those wins into your life somehow. Do not neglect the importance of a faith community. You are who you surround yourself with. I think this is true, uh, again, in, in any part of your life. If you want to be successful in life, well, you should probably put yourself around successful people. If you want to be happy in life, you should probably put yourself around happy people. Or the flip side of all of this, if if there are people in your life who are just like sapping you of your of joy or, or energy or, or life or, or faith, it, it might be okay to just like create a little distance and find those people in your life who, who do offer you faith and who help you exercise that muscle. I could point to the students and say the students should do this because they should. Like the students, you, who you hang out with, who you're with, that it will shape who you are. But it is true of you adults too, right? The people you spend your time with help shape you. So if we're thinking about faith, well, who, are you, who are you with and how are they adjusting your, your strength of faith? Journaling. <clears throat> this is a practice I'm trying to pick up and, and keep regular. I've been trying to pick it up for years, and I think this is going to be the year that I do it. Service. 
by serving others, you do yourself any number of favors, actually. It turns out serving others is a way to, to serve yourself some and, and to feel better about your own life. And I think as you serve and serve alongside other people, you find that your faith is buoyed. The last thing I'd say is this. <clears throat> Have patience with yourself and have patience with God. I'm going to warn you, God does not move at the speed that you want God to. God, I think, is deliberately slow, and we have to keep coming back. And he wants us coming back on a daily basis, right? And if, if the only coming back is every Sunday morning, I'm just going to tell you that's, that's really not enough. Something more is needed from you. If we are to seek God and, and to find God, we should be doing this on a daily basis. However, <clears throat> do have patience with yourself. Um, just like in like, the workout, you know, you're not going to see results immediately. You're probably going to have to stick with it. But I will say this, once you see the results and you see some real change in your life, that can be pretty exciting. But I'd say this, don't, don't stop there, right? Because, to switch analogies, if we're growing something and we put that, that seed in the ground, it, it does take a while to, to grow up. But, but, but then, like, once you see that first shoot pop up, it might be exciting. But let's be real, that's not the growth that we're looking for. We're looking for the, for the fruit of it all. And so be patient. Keep working at it and keep working at it and keep working at it. Keep watering it. Keep tending to it. Keep speaking to it real nice. And saying happy things to it. Over time, I think you'll see the fruit of faith will bear all kinds of other fruit too. It will bear fruit like hope and encouragement, and confidence, and a sense of like unity and, and well-being. This is something that we all need in our lives. Let's pray together. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, when we are faithless, you are there ready to show us faith again and again and again. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, who demonstrates faith to the full. He indeed is the author and perfecter of our faith. He has authored it. He has planted that seed within us. And he also perfects it. You come along and you keep watering it, God. But the role we've got, we, we're supposed to be co-laborers with you. And so God, today as uh, we hear you speaking to us, may we put something into practice in the here and now. Something that will begin to grow our faith. But give us patience, God. Patience with you, but patience with ourselves for the times we fail or the times we don't think it's working or the times we think there's just simply silence. Give us patience. God, we know that you are wanting to do a great thing in each person in this room, if they just had the vision for it, if they could see what you see. God, just like Abram, give us that vision. 
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.